Since the pandemic, with an increase in pet ownership, we've seen a high demand for veterinarians. So I'm hoping that this increase in pet ownership continues to lead to more people wanting to go the veterinary medicine route and become doctors because now more than ever, we're going to need them as we continue on this trajectory. I'm Corey Brown, and this is Provides the Path to Owning It podcast, where I sit down with trusted industry experts and Provides Network to give you the tools and advice you need to take your practice ownership dreams into your own hands. From owning your own practice to expanding or improving an existing practice, we'll help pave the way for you to achieve your dental or veterinary career dreams and guide you through all the nuances of the practice ownership journey. Please make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen. On this week's show, we'll discuss why now is the time to own a veterinary hospital. We're joined by David Soto, a regional director of practice finance at Provide. David is a graduate of The Ohio State University and has over 10 years of experience in the industry providing veterinary-specific financing. From underwriting to outside sales, he understands the process from start to finish and can help guide healthcare providers as they embark on their practice ownership journeys. David, we're glad to have you in the show today. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, we're excited too. I want to get your perspective for all those who are considering the path to veterinary hospital ownership. So let's just dive right in. You've mentioned in previous conversations we've had that the veterinary industry is really booming right now. Can you walk me and our listeners through the trends you're seeing in your day to day? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think we're seeing essentially more pet owners since the pandemic. We've seen an influx in people adopting or fostering pets. So this increases, you know, the need for these pet owners to take their pets to the veterinary to keep up with the standard level of care. So over the last few years, we've seen an uptick in that, which in essence is a great thing for the industry because it means that a lot of our vets are super busy, almost as if they're busting out the seams, but all positive because the trajectory as far as where the industry is headed looks good from this perspective. And why do you think the pandemic played a part in more people becoming pet owners? I mean, I think the unfortunate events of the pandemic, as far as the uncertainty, right? And, and not knowing whenever life was going to get back to the norm or this new norm that we're in. And just speaking for myself, being a single person and being home alone, I think a lot of people didn't want to essentially, you know, be at their respective homes alone. And this is where a lot of the shelters were emptied out, right? People went and fostered some of these pets. And, you know, I think they grew attached to these animals, rightfully so. These animals became an extended person in their respective families. And I think that aspect of loneliness or the uncertainty that the pandemic brought provided some safe haven and some comfort with some of these animals. You know, I think people just continued in that respect. And again, the vet industry just boomed from that standpoint. So David, do you see that trend of increased pet ownership continuing post-pandemic? And do you continue to see or predict that this boom will progress in the future? Yeah. You know, we're not seeing any slowing down in that sense, as far as pet ownership or even adoption. So yeah, I think the trend will continue again to my last point, as far as, you know, these pets becoming an extension of people's families. You know, I think what it's leading to is just keeping up with that standard level of care and making sure that their pets are seeing the vets often, which is all positive and obviously allowing pets to live longer. So I think given the pandemic, again, an unfortunate event, but in the veterinary industry, something that helped really grow and really put a focus and an importance on, you know, people with pets and just continuing to deepen that. So, yeah, I don't think this is slowing down. I think it's all positive for the industry. 
as a dog owner myself, I couldn't imagine going through the shutdown and everything without little Oso by my side. So I can totally understand why people would feel that way too. Let's dive in a little bit more into actual ownership. It seems like more and more veterinarians are going the startup route when it comes to ownership. Is that what you're seeing? And if so, why do you think that is? Yeah. So we have seen influx in a lot of veterinarians who again have these practice ownership aspirations going the startup route. And I think there's a multitude of reasons for that. One, the influx of these larger corporations coming into the vet industry and essentially buying some of the practices that are higher in gross revenue. So the scarcity in what clinics are available to be purchased by existing veterinarians on the private side are essentially diminishing. So a lot of my doctors want to become practice owners. And the next best thing is to start their clinics from scratch and them going that route and partnering with the right people to ensure that their practice ownership dreams do come into reality is something that you know they're pursuing. And, and a lot of my doctors are pursuing startup clinics at a high level, and there's ways for us to essentially reach that end game. What are some of the benefits and risks associated with starting a new hospital, let's say, versus acquiring an existing one? So I think let's start with the benefits. The benefits of starting your own practice is just that. You're running it how you deem. You're hiring the staff that you want to help build that clinic. And oftentimes, from a banking perspective, a loan perspective, these are smaller dollar amounts, right? So being able to start your practice from scratch at a lower dollar amount. And again, in the vet industry, a lot of our clients are debt conscious, right? So they don't want to take on too much debt, which is perfect because I'm the same way. So being able to pursue you know, this practice ownership from a different route, right? As opposed to buying an existing and starting your own has been very beneficial for my clients. As far as the risks associated with a startup, with any business, when you're starting from scratch, I think that's a risk in and of itself. Your task to build the practice. And as an owner, you're responsible for everything. You're responsible for that growth. You're responsible for your staff. You're responsible when something goes left or a client is unhappy, right? So I think even though you have aspirations from a business side, mentally, you have to be just as prepared because you're going to go through ups and downs. One of my many mantras is, you know, just stay the course. That's something that I love to preach to my clients and I utilize that in my day to day. So there's benefits and risks to everything, but it's a great position to be in. So David, when you're discussing the benefits and risks of starting a practice from scratch versus acquiring with a new doctor, what are some of the factors that you would discuss with them to ultimately lead them to the right decision for them? You know, I think ultimately I play off what the doctor wants, depending on where they're wanting to start the practice or even purchase a practice. What's the availability? Are there existing practices in that region that are for sale? The type of medicine that they're currently practicing, does that fit your style? And if it doesn't, then, you know, you guide them and say, hey, have you considered starting your own practice from scratch? And it's just more or less being a consultant and advising them and saying, hey, there's other options out there. And if you decided to pursue a startup, here's how we can help. We can essentially aid as far as helping you build that team that can be there every step of the way. But primarily, it's up to the doctor to decide what they want to do. And it's up to me to understand, empathize and just guide them and say, hey, here's option one as far as what we can do to help you out if you wanted to purchase. Or if there's nothing available, let's consider the startup route. And here's, again, some of the things that we can help with in that respect. You know, we try to tailor it to the doctors directly. And you mentioned that team that the doctors can rely on. Can you speak to those vet specific experts that a doctor should definitely have on their side when they decide it's time to pursue the ownership route? 
Absolutely. I think a lot of my veterinarians will come to me and say, Dave, you know what? I went to school to become a doctor, right? I have no idea or understanding of the finance aspect or the business aspect, which is perfectly fine. We understand. But as far as that team that you're wanting to build, especially when you're starting your own clinic from scratch, my advice would be to work with people that understand your industry, that speak your language, that have experience doing these types of projects, because it really will essentially streamline and make that stressful process more palatable. You know, I always recommend a bank that's going to be innovative, that's forward thinking, that again, has an understanding of the veterinary industry. And in addition to the bank, you'll want a commercial realtor, someone that's living in the area or familiar with the area that you're wanting to start. My general rule of thumb is, hey, one of the most important things about starting your business is location. It has to make sense from a multitude of different aspects, but that's where your commercial realtors will come into play. They can help with demographic reports. They can help put you know, some sort of household comparison to make sure that the demographics are what you're wanting. In addition to the realtor, you're definitely going to want an equipment vendor or supply company, an attorney, insurance agents, CPAs, you name it. Partnering with the right people, building that team, leveraging the folks that have done this for many years, again, just helps streamline everything. And what I always say is there's never a project that's the same. You're always going to encounter something that no one was expecting. But with that team that you've built, we all can essentially make sure that we resolve any obstacle or any issues that comes about very quickly so that we're still adhering to your desired date of opening. So I think that's important. Yeah, that's great advice. You know, in today's economic environment as well, what kind of steps should a doctor take to kind of start this journey? What's the first thing they should do? Can you speak to that a little bit as well? I think a lot of doctors, obviously the focus has been just veterinary medicine and, you know, rightfully so they're preferred professionals. We understand that, hey, they're going to go to school for a long time to ultimately become doctors. I think if you have aspirations of practice ownership, First and foremost, I'd reach out to a lender, just have a conversation with that lender, understand what it takes to even get approved for a loan, ask questions. What I tell my clients is, hey, if you're not asking questions and you're not understanding the process, then I'm not doing my job, right? And I think ultimately the goal is to make sure that Again, we're that voice of reasoning. We approach it from a consultation standpoint, but really just educating our clients as far as what to expect when they are embarking on this journey and the steps they need to prepare for, right? For when the opportunity presents itself. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of lending, you know, everybody is hearing about interest rates right now, right? That's a big topic that a lot of vets are probably considering more heavily than normal. Should that be something that influences them now or is now still a good time to pursue that ownership journey? Now is always the best time, right? And when you have aspirations of pursuing anything, especially practice ownership, as a bank, we get that question often. And if anyone has been keeping tabs on the market and where things are headed with inflation, the cost of construction, everything is continuing to increase. Thus, interest rates are as well. What I tell my clients is, hey, interest rates are merely one component of a loan, and that should not deter you from wanting to pursue practice ownership. And ultimately, when you're considering a bank and whom to work with, you have to look at everything. So again, with interest rates just being one component, how much experience does this lender have? How much experience does the person that you're communicating with on a daily have in your industry? What are the terms associated with that loan? Are there any bank fees associated with the loan? What's the process, right? Is it digital? Are they requiring you to essentially complete an application or 
How's the closing process? So I think as you're considering which bank to work with, the whole interest rate notion to me is just, again, funny because you do get that often, but really consider everything. And, and again, when you're building that team, leverage them, ask them for guidance, ask them for recommendations as far as whom they've worked with in the past and why. You know, I think you'll find that there's going to be some consistent banks and lenders that these folks work with for a multitude of reasons, but remind yourself that, hey, I'm the captain of the ship. This is what I want to do. Am I comfortable with the decision that I'm making pursuing it with this bank? That's great advice, David. I appreciate your insight there. You know, after hearing from David about current industry trends and what it takes to start or acquire a hospital, I'm curious about today's veterinarian shortage and how that impacts the industry. We'll hear more from David after this short break. Meet the newest reason to finance your dream practice with Provide. The Provide Card, the credit card built specifically for dental and veterinary practice owners. Available in addition to your Provide practice loan, with the Provide Card, you'll be transported to a world of new opportunities for your practice, where you can securely make bulk supply orders and earn tailored rewards on your purchases. You can earn up to 3% rewards on healthcare practice and lab supplies and 1% rewards on all other purchases all the time with no rotating categories and no point expiration. At Provide, we're creating the future of personalized banking for healthcare practice owners. To learn how to apply for your tailored card with tailored benefits, contact your Provide representative or visit getprovide.com slash provide card for more information, including rewards terms and conditions. I'm Corey Brown, and this is Provides the Path to Owning It podcast. We're back with David Soto, Regional Director of Practice Finance at Provide. I'd like to talk about today's veterinarian shortage, David, and why veterinarians should use that as motivation to own a hospital. What do you know about the veterinary shortage and how is that impacting the market? Yeah, since the pandemic with an increase in pet ownership, we've seen a high demand for veterinarians. People, again, are keeping up with that standard level of care from a medical perspective. So they are taking their pets to the vets more often. So in an industry where veterinarians were already spread thin, and I think now some of them are really being worked. And I mentioned it before that you know a lot of these practices are busting out the seams. And it seems as though they're constantly busy and there just isn't as much veterinarians, you know, graduating at the level to keep up with that demand. To me, I, I see that as a positive. You know, I think with the increase in pet ownership, you're exposing more individuals that maybe wouldn't have owned pets in the past, whom now are. And, you know, what happens to pets? You pass that down onto your family. So I'm hoping that this increase in pet ownership continues to lead to more people wanting to go the veterinary medicine route and become doctors because now more than ever, we're going to need them as we continue on this trajectory. What about those vets that are currently working as non-hospital owners? Does the shortage give them a better chance of ownership? I think it does. You know, I do know just speaking with a lot of my clients who are in these practices, a lot of them are just working 60, 70, 80 hours, right? And are maybe reaching a point where they might feel some type of burnout. You know, a lot of them are deciding to leave maybe these higher producing hospitals and do their own thing, right? Do something that is more their style fits in line with their veterinary philosophy and more client focused as opposed to production based. 
again, with this increase in pet ownership and because of vets are spread thin, it's not slowing us down. You know, a lot of them are still going that startup route or, or purchasing their own practices and becoming their own bosses. You know, no one likes to be told what to do, but uh, when you have the power <laughs> to run your business how you deem, you know, that to me is really gratifying. And I think a lot of vets are pursuing that. According to uh, the study I was reading from Mars Veterinary Health, you know, the nation's expected to face a shortage of nearly 15,000 vets by 2030. From your perspective, what kind of impact do you think this shortage would have on veterinary communities like technicians and other hospital staff, pet owners, and, you know, for that matter, the pets themselves? Yeah, I think with any shortage, you do have to look at the staff. And if there's not enough veterinary doctors out there, then there's not going to be any staff or folks that want to get into the industry to have work, right? So I think that is a concern for us. But, you know, something that as we continue to have these dialogue, as we continue to discuss some of these trends and just really spread the word as far as what the veterinary industry is impacting, we're hoping to reach a larger pool of folks that, you know, again, might have interest in joining the industry, becoming veterinarians themselves, or even staff, right? Technicians, receptionists, you name it. I think the shortage itself is only temporary. You know, I think as we continue to progress through this year and in many years subsequently moving forward, there's going to be, from an optimistic approach, an increase in folks that are wanting to come into the industry, which to me will be a positive sign for everyone. Absolutely. You mentioned this kind of temporary shortage. What do you think that hospital owners need today to feel supported? That way they don't reach that level of burnout that you had mentioned previously. Is there anything that can be done to help with that in your mind? I do. I think as an owner, regardless of your business, you know, there's this whole notion that you have to be in control. To me, any successful business, you you have to follow the path of letting go, right? Allowing your staff to help this whole divide and conquer approach. You know, I think the burnout, especially in today's vet industry, is prevalent, right? A lot of them are being worked to capacity. Again, you know, with what we discussed with the influx in pet ownership. Now, more than ever, it's time to try and allow an associate veterinarian to come in and maybe take some of the workload off your plate. Now is the time to take that week vacation or a long weekend, spend time with your family, do the things that make you genuinely happy. But in order to do that, you have to be comfortable with letting go some of the responsibilities. And, you know, what we're seeing in the industry, especially with your older veterinarian owners, it's tough to let go, right? There's this emotional attachment. This is what they built. But I think for your own sanity, it's vitally important to let go and try to get some help and ask for help with your staff and other veterinary associates. And to me, that will really take your business to the next level. Yeah, that's great advice. David, what do you think hospital owners can do to help prevent burnout with their staff as well? You know, not only with them working 60, 70, 80 hours, but their staff feeling the brunt of that too. How can they support them during this time? You know, I think it's probably tough, right? Because, you know, everyone's busy and you're working these hours and, you know, you're expecting your staff to do the same thing. But honestly speaking, you know, encourage them to take time off, encourage them to utilize their vacation encourage them to take a long weekend to recharge just to get their mind right or whatever the case may be. Don't essentially talk down to them. Your staff is an extension of your family. You know, a lot of us spend the majority of our times at work. So our staff, that is family. You know, speak to them accordingly. Appreciate them. Pay them. You know, I say that jokingly, but quite frankly, you know, you pay to retain top talent. And it's because of your work in addition to your staff as far as why your business is successful. 
And I think, you know, what we're seeing in the industry, especially with associate veterinarians and, you know, them working more relief hours, right? Because they're getting paid a premium and they're not constricted to staying at a practice. You pay your staff their worth, right? And you treat them with respect because honestly, a great staff is what's going to make the difference and what's going to take your business to the next level. I can hear a thousand veterinary technicians just applauding <laughs> you right now, David, on your answers. <laughs> it's good advice. You know, in real estate, the old saying is location, location, location. True in starting a business as well, I would think. Are there any parts of the country where the shortage is particularly acute? And on the flip side of that, are there areas where there's an influx of vets? And would that be hard for a new vet to become successful in specific areas? Yeah, I mean, I think it comes back to just preference, right? You know, as a veterinarian, do you want to start or do you want to practice in a rural area? Or do you want to do so in a metropolitan area? You know, I think the closer you are to some of these larger cities, the more saturated it may feel. And and you may see more veterinary owners in these metropolitan areas. But again, I just pushed the question back onto the veterinarian themselves and say, hey, what are you envisioning? I don't think any area in particular with this industry booming, right? As we mentioned before, you know, I think now just starting out and, you know, location is key, but rural versus metropolitan. You know, I think every area is continuing to grow, especially here in the state of Florida, where from a daily perspective, we're just seeing more and more people move to the states, right? So I think here and speaking just from experience, you know, a lot of folks are going to the suburbs and and starting their own practice there because of more people coming to the state and new developments essentially being built. But yeah, I think location is vitally important, but, you know, it's up to your personality as far as where you want to be rural or metropolitan. And David, let's leave it with one piece of advice for our listeners who are aspiring to practice ownership. What's the one pearl of wisdom you can give them if they're looking to start their own practice now? Reach out to some of the industry experts. You know, it's important to understand the process as far as what it takes to become a practice owner, what it takes to get approved from a lender. Speak with your colleagues, right? Speak with past classmates that have gone through this process that can give you their real life perspective and what to expect, but ultimately understand that this is what you want, right? And you may be financially ready to make this jump, but it's just as important to make sure that from a mental standpoint, you're ready to endure what's to come. And to me, building that dream team or building the team of folks that have an understanding and specialize in the vet industry is important. I think now's the time. If you're ready to move, don't wait. There's so many great people out there that can help see this. And again, the goal when I'm speaking with any of my clients is, hey, you're the captain of this ship. We go as you go. But ultimately, we all have that one common goal, and that's to make sure that you're successful for many years to come. Well, thank you for having this discussion with me, David. It was a great insight into the vet industry for both existing and aspiring hospital owners. And just appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us today. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Path to Owning It. If you're ready to take your practice ownership dreams into your own hands, be sure to visit getprovide.com to pre-qualify and browse our practice marketplace or check out our news page for more helpful resources. The Path to Owning It is brought to you by the team at Provide with production assistance from Sarah Parkey, Jessica Armbruster, and Liv Connaughton. And it's produced by PodCamp Media, branded podcast production for businesses. PodCampMedia.com. Producer Dusty Weiss. Production oversight, Larry Kilgore III. Editor, Beatrice Lawrence. For Provide, I'm Corey Brown. 
Thanks for being on the journey with us. Provide is a division of Fifth Third Bank National Association. All opinions expressed by the participants are solely their current opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Provide, its affiliates, or Fifth Third Bank. The participants' opinions are based on information they consider reliable, but neither Provide, its affiliates, nor Fifth Third Bank warrant its completeness or accuracy and should not be relied upon as such. This content is for informational purposes and does not constitute the rendering of legal accounting tax or investment advice or other professional services by Provide or any of its affiliates. Please consult with appropriate professionals related to your individual circumstances. All lending is subject to review and approval.